As we have seen, as soon as produce is brought into one's house, it becomes obligated in tithes. And in the past couple of Mishnayas, we went through what types of courtyards would be considered a house in this regard, whether it depends on the security or the privacy of the courtyard. And this Mishnah goes through another few different types of living places or different structures and whether bringing produce into there would obligate it in tithes. So the first one on the list is Hatsrifin, which is a sort of hut made out of branches, which are leaning in diagonally and they meet at the top. So there's no flat roof, rather similar to a wigwam, where the branches slant inwards and meet at the top. The Haburganin, this is a shed used to store produce in the field, or perhaps it's a guard's shed. The Harakotios, this is some sort of structure used in the summer, which was basically just a roof with some poles, and was supposed to protect people from the sun. If somebody brings produce into any of these three structures, Paturin, the produce remains exempt from tithes, the reason being that these structures are not fit for living in permanently. In order to be considered like a house, it has to be a structure which can facilitate permanent living. Even if you don't live there permanently, the structure at least has to be fit for such a purpose, and since it is not, these structures would not obligate the produce in tithes. Sukas Gnosar, a hut of the place called Gnosar, and in the place called Gnosar they would often make small huts in the fields, where people would live in those huts while they were harvesting the fields. So for a few weeks every year, they would live in that hut, so that they were very close by to the harvest and to the field. Since the very nature of these huts was not for permanent living, even if there's a mill to grind flour in that structure, and even if he keeps chickens and other animals there, so he's treating it as a permanent living place, nevertheless the produce would remain exempt because nobody lives in these huts all year round. A craftsman's hut, and this refers to a sort of shed which contained two rooms. So you would go into one room, and then from that room you could get into the further room, and the craftsman would usually live and sleep in the inner room and do his work in the outer room. And because of that, the halach is that hapanimis chayeves, food brought into the inner room where he sleeps and properly lives there, and treats that as his home really, that produce would become obligated in maestras. But petura, that which is brought into the outer room, remains exempt from tithes, since all he does is work there and it is not considered a living place. Now Rabbi argues on this last case, and according to Rabbi even the inner room would not obligate the produce in Maestras, and the reason for Rabbi is because even craftsmen who lived in these places would not live there all year round, because in the very cold winter these sheds were very flimsy, and if it was raining then the rain would seep through, it would get very cold there, and therefore in the height of winter they would not live there, and therefore according to Rabbi Anything which is not fit as a living place during the summer months as well as the winter months, Petura, is exempt, meaning the produce will remain exempt even if it enters that structure, because it's not considered a permanent dwelling place, so it cannot be compared to a regular house. Now the last structure which the Mishnah is going to discuss is a sukkah, and there's a fascinating machreikas over here, because sukkah sechog bechog, a hut which is used as a sukkah during sukkahs, Chag in the Mishnah usually refers to the Yom Tov of Sukkos. Rabbi Yehuda Mechayev, Rabbi Yehuda says that produce which enters there would become obligated in tithes, whereas Vachachom Poitrin, Vachachom say that the produce remains exempt from tithes. Which means that Rabbi Yehuda looks at a sukkah on Sukkos as a permanent dwelling place. The Torah says that you've got to change your entire living place 
from your house to a sukkah. Your sukkah becomes your new house. So it's considered permanent, just like your house, and therefore it would obligate the produce in Maestras. However, the Chachom hold that the very nature of a sukkah is such that it's only considered a living place for the days of sukkahs. It needs to be a hut specifically for sukkahs and not the rest of the year. And therefore, according to the Chachom, because it's considered temporary, the produce would not become obligated in Maestras. Mishnachess, earlier on in the Masechta, we had a machlikas between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda. According to Rimeir, if somebody brings produce into the courtyard or into a house, even before its Gemar Malacha stage, it already becomes obligated in Maestras, and so you cannot eat any of it before tithing it. On the other hand, Rabbi Yehuda holds that only if it comes into the courtyard or the house after its Gemar Malacha stage does it become obligated in Maestras straight away. The following Mishnah goes according to that opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. So the Mishnah tells us that a fig tree which stands inside a courtyard, and we're talking about, of course, a courtyard which would obligate the produce in Maestras, and the Gemara Malacha stage for figs is once you've gathered all the ones which you need, or all the ones which you're going to gather now, that's when it's considered Gemara Malacha. Now, just like Rabbi Yehuda said earlier on, that when you're picking figs off a tree in order to eat straight away, then as soon as you have more than one in your hand, that's considered its Gemara Malacha. Because since you want to eat them, even two figs is already considered a group of figs, such that that would be considered a Gemara Malacha. And therefore, Eichel Achas Achas Upotter, he can eat one by one, meaning he can pick off a fig off the tree and eat it, and then do that with the next one. And as such, he would be exempt from tithing them. But for him, Tzeraf, if he joined more than one together, meaning if he picked off more than one off the tree before eating it, then Chayev, he would be obligated to tithe them, because by picking more than one off the tree, he is bringing them to their Gemar Malacha stage. Now, Rabbi Shimon is slightly more lenient, and according to Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon Oimer, Achas Minoi, even if he picks one fig off the tree with his right hand, V'achas Bismoila, and one with his left hand, V'achas Bethiv, and a third fig with his mouth, so you're really holding three figs, that's still not considered to be a gathering of lots of figs, such that we consider it to be their Gemar Malacha, because it's just like taking one to eat it. Because the one which is in your mouth, of course, you're eating, the one which is in one hand you're about to eat, and the one which is in the other hand you're also going to eat. You're not holding a group of them together, and therefore we still view them as individual figs, such that they would still be exempt from tithes. Now the Mishnah ends off with an important point, and that is Olalorosha, if he climbed to the top of the tree, and that's where he picks the figs off the tree, well the tree is considered to be separate from the courtyard. It's significant in and of itself, and therefore if you're on the tree, you're not considered to be in the courtyard. So you're allowed to fill your entire lap with figs and eat them without tithing them because you're not considered to be in the courtyard. However, as soon as you would bring those figs down into the courtyard, you would be obligated to tithe them. Mishnatet, so we've established that when it comes to a fruit whose Gemarmalacha stage is when all the fruit which he wants are gathered together in a group. And if you recall, we learnt earlier on in the previous Perek that just like bringing produce into a courtyard or a house obligates it in Maestras, so does selling it. And when it comes to selling it, the buyer can also get out of tithing it if he picks off the tree one fruit at a time. Because then he hasn't reached his Gemar Malacha yet, in which case the selling does not obligate it in tithes. The selling would only obligate it in tithes after it's reached its Gemar Malacha stage. Now over there, in the previous Perek, we gave examples of different types of produce, for example grapes. And we said that if he takes off an individual grape at a time, then he does not need to tithe it. But if he takes a few grapes off, or if he takes a whole cluster of grapes off the tree, then he would be obligated to tithe it, because that would be considered a group of grapes. Now according to Rabbi Akiva, a courtyard is exactly the same. And therefore if you pick off individual grapes from a vine which is in a courtyard, you would be exempt, but if you pick off any more than individual grapes, then you would be obligated. 
However, according to Tarfen, we are more lenient in a case of the courtyard than in the case of selling produce. And his reasoning is that when you sell produce, you're definitely finished processing it. Because you will no longer have anything to do with that produce. So you are clearly stating that you have finished processing that fruit. On the other hand, when it comes to bringing fruit into a courtyard or into a house, you could maybe decide later to continue processing it. You're not ending your connection with this fruit. And because of that, Ruby Tarifin is more lenient in the case of a courtyard, and he considers an entire cluster of grapes to be considered like one grape, or like one fruit. So he agrees you can't take more than one cluster of grapes. However, Gefen Shinatur Bechotzer, a vine which is planted in a courtyard, Nautilus Kolo Eshkel, you're allowed to take an entire cluster, and the same would apply to a pomegranate. You could take an entire pomegranate fruit, even though it consists of many little seeds, the same would apply to a watermelon, even though we learned in the previous period that when it comes to selling a watermelon, or selling a pomegranate, or selling grapes, you can only take an individual grape, or an individual seed, or an individual slice of the watermelon. But over here we were more lenient, did Rabbi Tarifin, that is the opinion of Rabbi Tarifin. However, Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Akiva says that a courtyard obligates the fruit in the same way as selling it would. And at the end of the day, a cluster of grapes is made up of lots of different grapes. And therefore, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, You'll need to take individual grapes from the cluster, You can only take the individual seeds of a pomegranate, and you'll have to slice the watermelon, and only take one piece at a time. And if you take more than that, then you will have to tithe it before eating it. Next case of the Mishnah, Coriander, which is planted in a courtyard, even according to Tarifin, you need to peel off each leaf individually and eat that, but if you join together more than one leaf which you peeled off, then you would be obligated to tithe it before eating it, even according to Tarifin, because when it comes to the leaves of a coriander plant, each leaf is considered its own unit, separate from the rest of the leaves of the coriander. Ends off the Mishnah, these are different herbs and plants which sprout up in the courtyard by themselves and they're not planted. And generally these things are not eaten. However, some people do eat them, they are edible. But since they sprouted up by themselves, some owners would not even want to keep them. And they certainly wouldn't want to harvest them and therefore they would be considered hefka ownerless. But the Mishnah says that if they were guarded and kept, and the owner did take care of them, then chayoven, then they would be obligated in maestras because they are fit for human food, and so just like all other food, they will be obligated in Maestris. But the point is, if they are Hefka, even if they're in his courtyard, since they are not owned by anybody, as we learned right at the beginning of the Masechta, something which is Hefka is exempt from tithes. Mishnah Yud, Te'enoshiyamelisbechotzer. Again, we've got a fig tree which is standing in the courtyard, but this time only its roots are in the courtyard, but Venotalagina, it inclines and leans into the garden outside of the courtyard. The question is, if a fig is picked from that tree, is it considered to have come from the courtyard and entered the courtyard already? Or not? So the mission tells us that Eichel Kedarikai, he can eat in a regular manner, and this is talking about somebody who is standing in the garden, he can pick off a tree, he can pick off a fruit from the tree, and eat it outside of the courtyard, and Potter who will be exempt from separating the tithes from that fig. And he can even pick off lots of figs in one go, and still be exempt because it has not yet entered the courtyard. And even though the main part of the tree, the trunk, and the roots are in the courtyard, and in general we consider the branches of a tree to just be secondary to the tree, nevertheless, once you've picked the fruit off the tree, so now they have nothing to do with the tree, now they're in the garden. And therefore they are not already obligated in Maestras, because they have not yet entered the courtyard. However, if it's standing, its roots and its trunk are in the garden, 
but it inclines into the courtyard. So then as soon as you pick off a fruit from the tree, it's in the courtyard. Which means that if you pick off a few at a time, that means you've made a gathering, a group of fruit together, in which case it will be obligated in Maestras. So just like a regular tree which is in the courtyard, if you eat them one at a time, then you're exempt, but if you join them together, if you picked more than one off the tree at one time, then you will be obligated to tithe it before you eat it. Now what happens, continues the Mishnah, if a tree is a Medes Ba'aretz, standing inside of Eretz Yisrael. So its roots are inside of Eretz Yisrael, its trunk is inside, but it bends outside into Chutz Aretz. So its branches and fruit could be outside of Eretz Yisrael, or if it's planted outside of Eretz Yisrael, but it leans inside of Eretz Yisrael. Says the Mishnah, the rule is, it all goes after the roots after the trunk of the tree, because that's where the nourishment of the entire tree comes from. The reason why things which grow in Eretz Yisrael are obligated in tithes, and in all the other laws which apply to agriculture, is because they are gaining nourishment from Eretz Yisrael ground. So since this entire tree is gaining nourishment from Eretz Yisrael ground, even that part which is outside of Eretz Yisrael is still getting its nourishment from Eretz Yisrael, in the case where it's planted in Eretz Yisrael, and therefore it will be obligated. On the other hand, if its roots were outside of Eretz Yisrael, so that means it's gaining its nourishment from outside of Eretz Yisrael, so in that case it would be exempt. Now there are other cases in which a tree which is planted on a border has halachic ramifications. For example, the Vote Orechoma, with regards to houses of walled cities, the halacha is that if somebody sells his house in a walled city, then for the entire first year after he sells it, if he comes up with the money, he can undo the sale. He can pay the buyer and he'll get his house back. However, after the first year, he can never do that. Only if the buyer agrees to sell it back to him would he be able to buy it back from him. Houses in non-walled cities have different halachas. In short, for the first two years after the house was, was sold, the seller cannot buy it back. But after that he can, and either way in the Yeovil year, which is once every 50 years, all houses go back to their original owners. And we don't need to get into the details now of the different halachas of different cities. But the point is, if there is a tree which is planted, let's say, inside a walled city, and then its branches extend outside of the city, or if it was the other way around, if it was planted outside of the city, but its branches go into the walled city, says the Mishnah again, everything follows the roots and the trunk of the tree, such that if that tree was sold, it would have the same halachas as houses sold in either the walled city or the non-walled city, depending on where it is planted. Trees have the same halachas as houses in this regard. Now there's another case where the boundary makes a difference, and that is of Ori Miklot in cities of refuge, and this refers to the 48 cities which were designated as cities for anybody who kills somebody by mistake to run to. And the halach is, if somebody kills another person by mistake, then the dead person's family are allowed to kill the murderer until the murderer runs into the Ori Miklot. Now the truth is, as soon as the murderer has come within 2,000 Amas of one of these Ori Miklot, already from that point onwards, the family is not allowed to kill him. So what happens if there's a tree which is planted, but either only its trunk is within the 2,000 Amas, or only its branches are within the 2,000 Amas? And this murderer has, let's say, climbed the tree. So the Mishnah says, In this case, everything follows the branches. And the Gemara explains that this does not mean that we always follow the branches. It means we would even follow the branches. Meaning, certainly, if the trunk is within 2,000 Amas and this person has climbed the tree, then even if he himself is outside of the 2,000 Amas, since he is on this tree, the family cannot kill him. 
But even if only the branches are within the 2000 Amas, even then the family cannot kill him. And the reason for this is because we're not sure whether the branches are considered to be totally secondary to the tree or not. In the previous two cases, it depends of the gr on the ground of Eretz Yisrael or the ground of the city. But over here, it's not really dependent on the ground. It's dependent on the distance from the city. So we're not sure whether the branches should be considered secondary to the tree or not. And therefore we are strict and we say that the family is not allowed to kill the murderer. And that's even if only the branches are within the 2000 Amos, as long as he is on that tree. Alright, and finally over Yerushalayim. And when it comes to Yerushalayim, I'm referring to the halachas of Maishasheni. Maishasheni is a tenth of one's produce which he needs to bring up to Yerushalayim and eat over there. And because often it was very impractical to bring up loads and loads of fruit to Yerushalayim, one was allowed to redeem the fruit onto money, bring the money up to Yerushalayim, and then spend the money in Yerushalayim on fruit. And then just eat those fruit in Yerushalayim. Now the halacha is that if one brings fruit into Yerushalayim, then it's too late to redeem them anymore. So what happens if there is a tree whose trunk is in Yerushalayim but whose branches are not? or vice versa, what is the status of that tree? If somebody is climbing that tree, he's sitting in that tree, is he considered to be in Yerushalayim, such that he would not be able to redeem the fruit? However, he is able to eat the fruit because he's in Yerushalayim, or do we consider him to be outside of Yerushalayim, in which case he can still redeem the fruit, but as well as that, he's not allowed to eat the fruit because you can only eat Maishasheni fruit in Yerushalayim. So the Mishnah says, Everything follows the branches, and again, this does not mean what it simply seems to mean. Rather, it means that we would even follow the branches in order to be strict. So that means that if any part of the tree, if even only the branches are outside of Yerushalayim, and part of the tree is in Yerushalayim, then in all cases, you would not be able to eat the Maishasheni fruit, and you would not be able to redeem it. And once again, the reason is because we're not entirely sure whether the branches are considered secondary to the tree, because it's not dependent on the nourishment which the tree gets from the ground, so maybe the branches are not considered secondary to the roots of the tree. And since we're not sure, we have to be strict, and so in this case you would not be able to eat the fruit, and neither would you be able to redeem the fruit while you are on that tree.